Hey, Stu, your rent's due, motherfucker. Hey, Aries, you heard about that new uh, podcast app called Anchor? I sure did, Andy. Guess what? It's time to pay some bills. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. And they have tons of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And we know you know about that money, Jew boy. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go download your Anchor app now for free, or you can go to anchor.fm to get started today. Can you feel it, baby? That money? Yeah. And don't be pulling that falling down the stairs shit on me, you hear? Oh, I got a live one here. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Good Morning, Darlings. I don't know what fucking time of day it is for you motherfuckers. Um, What's happening, baby? I'm back. You are back. You were were cheating on me again. You was getting some side comedy, nigga. Just on uh, just Thursday. Where were you? I was in Atlantic City. Ooh, the what you Atlantic City's so sad now. It's like a fucking beat up uterus, dude. But it, uh, I was at the Hard Rock. It was nice. Once upon a time ago, when Trump actually was, you know, a younger piece of shit, doing what he should be doing before the stench took over. Atlantic City was the shit. The Mike Tyson, the Mike Tyson era. Yeah, when he used to go over there and fight. Uh, it was just. It was just. A, it was. A, it was. You know. It was again. It was never going to be Vegas, but it was a good side piece to Vegas. Now it's just, it's fucked up. It just, it's just not what it, the magic's gone. Dude, I went with uh, Adam Ferreira. You, uh-huh. know, you know Adam. Yeah. And uh, Adam eats healthy. He's very into like eating. I saw the post where you guys were driving to a Whole Foods. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking faggots. <laughs> he wouldn't go. Well, there's no market there. And we asked the guy afterwards. I said. It's uh, Atlantic City, nigga. Ain't he, supposed to be. Some shit is supposed to be kept fucked up. Uh, and it's kept fucked up. Yeah. We went into this place that looked. Like uh, it looked like it looked like if there was a dollar store food store, just food. Yeah, yeah this was the place. And Adam's like, I I gotta get like he wanted organic and his and, and he eats healthy. So he goes, how far away is that Whole Foods? And I go forty eight miles. I drove forty almost an hour uh-huh. for eighteen dollar carrot. Yeah, we went out. What there. did he end up eating? Uh, do you got all healthy stuff? Like what? Like what? Like he what, bought what? a bunch of he bought a bunch of yogurts, uh, organic, all organic yogurts. It was good. I mean, he bought he he did well. I got some stuff that I wanted to take back to the room. It worked out. But then there was a shoprite that was only seven miles away. But that shoprite, I just could imagine the shoprite that's in shoprite. God damn it! You are bringing me home, dude. But you Jersey, yeah, East Coast shoprite, nigga, dude. And, and shoprite usually tends to have what the neighborhood wants so the shop right there i don't know (laughs) probably i didn't go we just went to so he got yogurt and what else uh what else did he get i'm thinking he got some uh he got some uh healthy uh sparkling waters and something well i'm not going to give you his uh whole uh i could just hear the queer juice oozing out of his ass no i'm just fucking with you adam don't Uh, fuck with that adam's good i know everybody's good to you cap 
Yeah, I miss that giddy optimism cap. Um, okay, so now we're back here together in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Yeah, at the Stress Factory, Vinny Brand Stress Factory, which his he has one the original. Well, the original. Well, yeah. Well, he, this is his second club, but the one is uh, New Brunswick, New Jersey. Yeah, and I've always wanted to do that one. My old stomping ground, uh, probably about. 25 minutes from North Brunswick, where I grew up over there at 303 Birchwood Court, North Brunswick Manor. Um, you know, and it's, it's crazy because once upon a time ago, New Brunswick was all black. That was a black area. Now it's all Mexican. Um, but the, just the, where it's at is so remin- it's It's identical to where we are. Like just the feel of a small town. Um, it can't feel like this place. It is absolutely like this place. This place, that place, and this place was made for the niggas. When you walk outside, liquor store, uh, all T-shirts with Biggie on it, or and rappers, weaves and uh, wigs and extensions, hair places, black beauty supplies, and uh, it's it's a uh, it's a lot of poverty here. Dude, when I went, I got, I, I went to go eat. Yeah. And, uh, Ooh, God bless you. And I was sitting there and I asked the lady, I said, so, uh, you, you, have you been here for a long time? She goes, no, I just moved here not too long ago. Um, I said, oh, she goes, I'm from Queens. I go, oh, really? I said, you know, I just drove out from Jersey. I go, why, why did you move out from Queens here? She said, uh, Whatever she had some life things, and mm-hmm. so she came out here and her kids and whatnot. And uh, I said, "Do you like it?" And she goes, "Nah." <laughs> yeah, man. Um, and when we're sitting there, I go, "Why don't you like it?" We're just sitting there, and 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 I'm I'm eating, and she just goes, "Hey, hey," and she goes, "Look out the window," mm. and there's this girl that was walking by that just looked fucked up, and it's right. lunchtime, and she goes. That's why. That's why I don't like Listen, it. man. I'm, you know, listen. Um, <clears throat> poverty is not sexy. No. It's just not sexy. Um, and I don't want to get into a deep tangent on this. But again, and listen, I, I love my people. I do. I really do at the end of the day. But and I don't, I don't want this to come off like I'm trying to say I feel like I'm better than anybody. Because certainly I'm not. But again, I swear I have to say this. But I, again, I don't. I don't want to get deep in it. But I have to say this, and and this might bleed into what you wanted to tell me anyway about my latest posts racially. But this is why I go. White people do not really understand the damage that slavery has caused black people. It's our Holocaust because they don't see it and they don't understand it. But these are the effects, like slavery comes with a mentality it comes with a behavior it comes with an attitude and i walked into and what did you eat today because you ate where i ate yesterday tell the people where you ate today i said when you go out here there's a couple food spots here what did you where did you go eat we had a burger place from the burger place right down the street that's where i went and we both said it looked a little suspect yeah but i'm in the burger place and i see a couple of black women with the bonnets on which I can't fucking stand. As much as my pet peeve is with white women that walk on the asphalt with no shoes and socks and get their feet black, I can't, and I sent a post on Instagram about this, I can't stand when black women 
wear bonnets and scarves and wraps in public. Like, bitch, take the time and fix your motherfucking wig before you leave the house. Look presentable. Nobody's telling you you got to go up, go out dressed up, looking like you're about to shake your ass at the club. But damn it, look decent. Don't perpetuate the stereotype that we're lazy, shiftless maids. You know, niggas that wear they, the do-rags and the pants sagging and, and, you know, the attitude and the street vernacular. It just, all of that stems from that shit. All of it stems from slavery because, again, if you if you came up in terms of generation to generation, passed down to passed down, the right way. And I'm not talking about necessarily having money, but just, you know, a, a better education, the way you articulate proper grammar um that shit gets passed down just like the negative shit gets passed down sounded like cosby you know these niggas need to learn to get their act together pull up your pants take off the bonnets and the weaves oh shit lights out i gotta go cosby lights out i'm not trying to sound like cosby but i'm just saying in order to break the cycle at some point in the generation somebody has to recognize it and go let's break the cycle because if it doesn't get broken it's going to continue to get repeated and i just you know as a as a black dude i just and again i'm not trying to shit on my own people but i just this mentality you, like it's almost like you could see it there's a lazy shuffling well, you used the word best last night when, when looking at the as we walk into the club there's about five or six brothers hanging out near the park. And they all loud, poverty-stricken, smoking cigarettes, loud, drinking. And you said a hopelessness. Yeah. It's a hopelessness. But where, where these niggas have just given up. And they went, this is what I'm settling for. This is my life. I'm not even going to try to get out of this. I'm not going to try to get better. That it comes from slavery, man. Well, there's a couple things you said that I, I don't know if I'm allowed to comment on it because judging- you've had permission since 1776. Just which again, let me bravo to you, nigga, for the if, for the people. If you late uh, again, last week we did the Popeyes chicken. Me and Andy had the Popeyes chicken, and he made a comment about it being the Black Panther chicken sandwiches. And some black girls got upset, called him, said, "Keep your male ass on the shelf." Who told you to comment? When did you get permission to speak? And Andy had the greatest comeback, and he said, I've had permission since 1776, and that's the motherfucking Andy I'm trying to pull out. That is the Jedi. You find the Jedi. That is the Jedi, nigga. We need more of that. Take the yarmulke off, nigga, and put on a leather kango. But when you said poverty isn't sexy, it's not. It's not the poverty, the money poverty. It's 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 the soul poverty. When when you when your spirit's broken, because I know plenty of people throughout my life, and even people in my family mm-hmm. that weren't financially successful. They didn't have the nicest house. They didn't maybe didn't have a car. They didn't. Right. They took the bus. They did. But the family, the 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 pride, who they were as people, that wasn't broken. Right. So that's what I'm going to say is to my next part where this is where the white dude might not. And before you say what you say, let me just say this. And this ain't my quote, but I read it and it makes sense. There's nothing wrong with being in poverty, but there's something wrong in staying in it. Okay. If, if, if you, you can't help, again, generational. Yeah. If the generation before you 
didn't have shit and you were born out of that, then you're, you, you, that's not you. That wasn't your choice. You were born poor. But that don't mean you got to stay poor. And in order to break that generation, you have to change your thinking, your behavior, your attitude. But you, you, I'm sorry, Annie. And one ahead. more and then I promise you got it. Because okay. it just reminds me of another quote where it goes, the quote is, if you didn't come from a rich family, a rich family should come from you. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, yeah, it's a nice it quote. Is. There it is. But here, here but you, you, you related it back to slavery. And here's where, like, do I have this? Do I, do I get to speak? Do I get to say this? I, I'm, I'm going to say this looking from a historical point. I don't relate it back to slavery. What I relate it back to is, is that hundred years after slavery, where blacks in America were free, but they weren't allowed to progress. But not the, only, well, not only were they weren't allowed to progress, but but they were allowed to progress, but there was obstacles, a lot of obstacles, true, to, but to make it hard, to, but to make it so that to to decentivize the idea of progressing. But 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 keep this in mind. Not not just a question of they didn't they didn't they weren't allowed to progress or had to face resistance. They didn't know how to progress. Okay, but when you say about breaking the cycle, what I'm talking about is a hundred years where the cycle was that you can't succeed, you can't move forward, and if you start to, we're going to either take down a city that is successful that's a black city. We're right. going to take down successful black businesses. Right. We're going to, and this is the part where. When I read some of the posts where, where, where people will write on your posts where you bring up something, they say, well, slavery was a long time ago, and slavery might have ended, but the restrictions and, and the placement of blacks in America didn't end. Right, and that's what I'm saying. Yes, it ended, but when you have 400 years of damage, that carries over. And even when you're given the opportunity and you're told that you're free, but you can't succeed, then what is that... What does that tell each generation? You can't succeed, and that's where the hopelessness comes in. Okay. Well, yes and no. Yes and no, but yes. But also, if you're trying, I don't know how to fucking. At some point, it's almost like uh, again, you have to break the, the mind. You have to break the training. You've been trained. You've been conditioned right. to go to just believe this is it. And unless there's somebody that can pull you aside and coach you, steer you, help you figure it all out to go, no, there are other options. There are other avenues. Unless you have someone who can help you break that, it's hard to break that on your own. Or you have to move out of, those, out of the community that makes you comfortable in that situation. And the problem is you get comfortable. That's, that's it. You're comfortable in that situation. The people around you are comfortable in that situation. So this is the situation people stay in. That's why I got to say again, I wasn't born... Like Will, like Will Smith's kids are born into success, not success, but money. They're born. They don't know poverty. I was born poor, but my mom was so headstrong, and my father too, but mainly my mother, that she always made it a point to go. There isn't just this. There's that. You know, she made us as kids write book reports just purposely to make sure our grammar was right. Our punctuation was in the right places. We articulated properly. Um, so, you know, that's why I say, I, again, I didn't grow up Huxtable, but I didn't grow up good times. I grew up both. 
I, I, I grew up where, yeah, the nigga shit is in me. I grew up around family that played spades and dominoes and talked a certain way and acted a certain way. But my mother also made me do book reports. She made us read. She made us, you know, she, she elevated our level of, of thinking and education. And, and, and so that there wouldn't be hopelessness. So that we knew there was chance. And I, and I, and I look at some of these, these black people out here and I just go, you could see it. Like you said, spirit is broken. They're not even trying to entertain any other way. You know, and I just, I, you know, ugh, it's, 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 it's sad, man. It's sad. But, and, and obviously when I talk about the condition of, con, uh, of an extra 100 years after mm-hmm. uh, the Emancipation Proclamation, which 100 years, that didn't make a difference. I, I'm not speaking... Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not. I don't want to minimize that, but every group of people that stays in a poverty-stricken area feels the, that weight of the hopelessness. Right. You see it in, in all poor areas, yeah, and not even in, in just in this country, yeah. So you know that's just something when I when I'm looking around though, and I, Bridgeport, man, I, I got to be honest. When I drove out here, I didn't know what to expect. I was going to Connecticut. I didn't either. That's what I thought. This is not what I thought. Well, like I said, when I got here, I looked around and instantaneously I went, this is New Brunswick. This is, and what's crazy is like, just like New Brunswick, you can walk out of this hotel door and there's a quietness and you see a couple of, you know, like we're across, this hotel is literally across the street from the courthouse and usually the courthouse is bustling, people going in and out. The quietest courthouse I've ever seen. Like, it's almost like a ghost town. Like, like, yeah, because I got, got here on Thursday and we've been here since, well, you got here Friday. Yeah. But I, I've been here since, so Thursday and Friday, two business days, two weekdays. And it was just an eerie quiet. Like, yeah, you see a couple of people straggling on the streets. But again, it's all poverty stricken, it's predominantly black. Um, and there's just a stillness to it. You know, and what's weird is just like New Brunswick, once the show starts, heavily mixed. Yeah. Like, where are all these white folks coming from? Yeah, that first show was... But they come in and they get out. Well, and you know, and speaking of the city, you know, that, that burger place I went to, right. and you said it felt suspect. My iPad, yeah, hand me that iPad. Um, what was funny is if you really, I don't know how much you looked around at that place, it felt like a movie set uh, burger restaurant. Right. Because there wasn't anything in there. Like, if they wanted to leave tomorrow, mm-hmm. we're going to close our re- restaurant. They had to pack up, like, four signs and leave. Yeah. It didn't feel like this was, like, you know, there's, like, something. I, I asked how long it's been there. It's been there 10 years. Does right. that look like it has 10 years worth of memorabilia or, or age or patina on the walls? It, right. It looked like, seriously, like, tomorrow they go, you know what? It's been a good 10 years, but right. let's get the fuck out. <laughs> right. No, I hear you. Um, dude, I've been, re- I, I bought, I, I, I said, you know, again, in this effort to better myself, um, I've been trying to, all these things I get on Instagram, uh, about again, wisdom and money and entrepreneur, uh, it says one of the things you got to do that people don't do no more, which, you know, is read, be, be, be read, you know, that helps uh, lead towards wealth to educate yourself. So I, I got this book, and you probably heard of it that I've been reading called "The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck." Yeah, I heard of it. Yeah, I heard of it. So I want to read a, a portion. Um, let me just f- 
get to the page. So I'm not give up. Page 11. Let me just scroll back a little bit here. Um, and tell me what you think about this, because I, I thought this was a really interesting quote. Um, goodness gracious. Uh, just got to find one. I got the page, but God damn it, where is the thing? Some elevator music right here. Yeah. So it says here, um, subtlety. To not give a fuck about adversity, you must first give a fuck about something more important than adversity. Imagine you're at a grocery store and you watch an elderly lady scream at the cashier, berating him for not accepting her 30-cent coupon. Why does this lady give a fuck? It's just 39 cents. I'll tell you why. The lady probably doesn't have anything better to do with her days than sit at home cutting out coupons. She's old and lonely. Her kids are dickheads and never visit. She hasn't had sex in over 30 years. She can't fart without having extreme lower back pain. Um, first of all, that made me laugh. The fact that nigga, a fart causes extreme. I, I thought about that, too. I was wondering if that was going to happen. <laughs> lower back pain. <laughs> Did you, have you ever had back pain when you farted? Never, nigga. No, but, if but it, that's got to be. Dude, if that happens, I'm going to really be out of one of my. It's things. never happened to you, has it? No, but I, if it does, that's going to be something really. Right. It's going to be sad because that's one of the things I look forward to. Got you. Um, <laughs> uh, the, 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 her pension is on its last leg. She's probably going to die in a diaper thinking she's in Candyland. So she snips coupons. That's all she's got. It's her and her damn coupons. It's all she can give a fuck about because there is nothing else to give a fuck about. And so when the pimply faced 17 year old cashier refuses to accept one of them, when he defends his cash register's purity, the way knights used to defend maiden's virginity, you can bet granny is going to erupt. 80 years of fucks will rain down all at once like a fiery hailstorm of back in my day and people used to show more respect stories. Um, so my question is this, because basically what the book is alluding to is in order to, like there's something to gain from not giving a fuck. Um, and it's but the theory of not giving a fuck, how can you truly live by that? Because it's like you got to care about something. How do you totally divorce yourself from everything going? Ah, I just don't give a fuck. And it says when you don't give a fuck, the things that you want to have happen will happen. But as long as you care, they run away from you. Like uh, like there's got to be something liberating and going, you know what? Fuck it. But it, it's that thing that keeps you attached to it, that fear of if I don't give a fuck, then how can it how can it happen if I don't care and, and I don't chase it? And I'm 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 probably 15 pages into the thing. But it's it's and it's like I see where it's going and I want to agree with it. But again, how do you divorce yourself from that? I know, but I can give you an example of something that I think might strike you in that idea. Uh huh. I was told a long time ago. Um, and this relates to trying to find, get something, looking for something, trying to seek out something, like you just said. If right. you don't put the effort in, how am I going to get it? This one dude once, uh, I was looking for somebody. I was at this uh, uh, party. It was a big party. It was at this hotel, and it was spread out. And I was looking for uh, uh, the dude, uh, my buddy that I came with, because I, right. I wanted to get ready to leave. And it's before cell phones. We didn't have cell phones on us. And uh, I was talking to this other friend of mine, and I said, I've been looking all over for this dude. I can't right. find him. He said... Why don't you just stand right there? 
and eventually he's going to pass by you. Because what's happening right now is you're looking for him and he's looking for you. Right. And you guys are putting, both are putting this effort into finding something. And you guys are working working away from each other. Right. Because stand there. He'll eventually, he'll eventually walk. I stood there for like three minutes. He walked right by. I looked for him for 30 minutes. Right. And it's kind of like what that idea that if you are pushing something to happen instead of letting it come to you. Like it's look if it's meant to be, and I hate that meant to be thing. I kind of do too. But if if you put effort in it, enough effort that you are due. Let's put it that way: you are due. That if you're chasing it and it's trying to find you, you might not. It might not catch up to you. You might have to just relax and let it find you. The the problem the problem, which is what makes it so confusing, is that you hear, you constantly hear both sides and both sides feel right but both sides feel wrong like for instance uh leonardo dicaprio said in a quote about there's no such thing as destiny life is what you make it so you have to physically make it what you want because it's nothing is destined doesn't that fight against if no. it's meant to be no then then let it be and if it's meant to be then that's destiny no if you what i think what i think what that means is you have to make life happen. You have to put the work. You have to put the energy in. But you can't go force that what it is that you think you need to happen. Because, um, for instance, Leonardo DiCaprio is a great one that you just uh, you just said. Uh, Leonardo, I just read this thing where he was offered a part in, I forgot what movie it was. Damn. He was offered the part, I think, in Boogie Nights. Mm-hmm. Mm. And he loved that role. And it's one of the things in his whole head that he wishes that he would have taken. Mm-hmm. You know what he took instead? Titanic. Okay. Now, listen, based on how Titanic went, biggest movie of all time. But his career could have been different had he taken the other movie. But Boogie Night was such a great movie. Would it have made a difference on paper? Yes. Titanic's the biggest that, movie of all time. But that's what but he's if saying. He had, but if he had done Boogie Night's... Would that have hurt him? No. But that's what he's saying. He goes, I, I don't, I, but we, you can't force it. Stuff happens. We don't know. What if he would, what if it wasn't, what if Boogie Nights didn't hit the way that it hit? What if he would have said, I like this movie? But, but for that same argument, argument, you can go, what if Titanic didn't hit the way Titanic, it was Titanic, people didn't know if it was going to because it cost You don't so ever much. know. You don't so, ever know. So forcing it doesn't work either. You have to go with what. <sighs> The most confusing thing is 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 it it almost is like you know what pick what works for you if if that makes sense to you, if that feels good to you, go with that because again, everybody can make an argument for either side, and depending on how good you make the argument, depending on how compelling it is, they both make sense, so which one do you go with? You know, people can argue point A, and you go, wow, that makes a lot of sense, yo. But then somebody can come along and argue the, the, the opposite of that, and you go, well, damn, that makes just as much sense. There's no guarantee of which one is right or wrong. No, there's not a guarantee, but you can't force it either. You can't force What? Uh, I, I'm just trying to. Uh, like, again, let me just, that saying, good things come to those who wait. I've heard the saying. Better things come to those who don't. Yeah. So which one? Okay. Uh, I, I'm not going to remember how this actually went down, but I'm going to try to 
there was an Apollo launch. Right. And one of the guys that was supposed to go and walk on the moon, which is one of the things that he always wanted to do. I don't know which one of the... Neil Armstrong? No, it wasn't because Neil walked on the moon. Uh, but one of them got sick. Or they, they had it, like, when they do the test on him, it says that he could have something. And right. So he couldn't go. So they got another astronaut to replace him. And that's the one where they went out to space, and uh, there was a problem on the the uh, on Apollo. I think it's the one that was with Hanks. Tom Hanks was in it, maybe. Apollo. With Bill Paxton? Yeah, I think it was. And Ed Harris? Yeah. I don't know if Ed Harris was in it. I know Bill Paxton and Tom Hanks was in it. Anyway, um, one of the, the guy who stayed and couldn't go. Right. He's the one. If he wasn't on the ground, he wouldn't. They wouldn't have been able to do the engineering to figure out what was in the uh, what was in the the space capsule to get him back to Earth. Right. So yes, I don't know if there's destiny, but there is such a thing as things working out for the right reasons. My favorite. I, I always bring this up because I think this is interesting to me. We have all these great games and electronic games. One of my favorite games that my dad used to play all the time. It was the it was the tin. Um, table that looked like a football field. And right. then you'd put all the football men up on him. You'd and line them up and, and you would turn the button and it would just vibrate. Right. And it shook the play into happening. Right. That's how I think life kind of works. I don't know what's going to happen. We're just all here with energy vibrating ourselves around yeah, and moving a, some shit that, around. That's a very, that's a very, uh, that's a very disparaging notion that that's how life would work. Dude, you want a really disparaging notion? Think about it. This is our life, and we think it is a big deal. Right. Because we're these humans, and we can think. Right. But if you really back up and go to space and take a look at what Earth looks like, don't we look like just a cancer on an on a Earth? All we're doing is growing buildings and moving things around and doing things. We look right. like what cancer looks like if you were to project it and took a look at it. We look... Like what cancer does to our bodies, right. like what we do to this earth. So I think we think too big about ourselves. Yeah, let me read you. Let you me, you let, didn't like any of this? Stuff. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not saying that. Um, but read it. I'm, I'm just. I'm. I'm. I'm trying to figure this shit out. I think I, you, because again, I and listen. <laughs> maybe I'm overthinking it. Maybe it's really more simple than I'm. I'm making it, or or, or than I think it is. Uh, but yeah, it's just so much shit, and I, I just, I'm trying to figure this out. I think we have to look at things and make ourselves happy for the for the day and what we need to feel good about who we are, as opposed to what we need to do to become better than we are. Because I think as we take care of that, who we are every day, right. it goes away because we're happy with who we are, and then those things come. That's really what I believe. That's the. Vibration I think we I'm get content about. with who we are. No, I don't think we ever. I, I don't think. Too many people truly ever reach happiness. Real well, there's, happiness. There's no destination to happy. Happy doesn't exist. Happiness is like a temperature. What's the perfect temperature outside? 76 degrees? 78 degrees? No, I think happiness exists based on what your goals are. And if you and if you meet them or or exceed them, that's how you define your happiness. See, I don't think I think happiness is like the temperature outside. Every day you have to recreate, and this is where you don't get complacent, where you don't feel that way is every day you have to get up and achieve happiness happiness goes away when you go to sleep happiness drifts off and you have to wake up in the morning and you have to go out and progress in your day and every day that you do that you create some more happiness for yourself i I really hope i get to a point where if i'm wrong i can be proven wrong in the most comfortable way in other words (laughs) nigga i i make so much money and i'm set for life 
and I got everything I dream of, the house, the cars, financial security, to where I can go, like some of these people say, wow, this really don't buy happiness. I'm unhappy. I'm not fulfilled. Because I swear to God, dude, if I... And I, and I don't want to make it sound materialistic because it's not about necessarily the material. It's about the security of knowing, yo, I got a crib. It's paid for the crib. I, you know, you know, of course, the things that, are, that matter, my woman, my kids, they're all straight. They're set. They're eating. I got a refrigerator full of food. Food is not an issue. All the cars I want, I can travel. I can do what I want. Yeah. I can't see why I if I had all that, what would I be what would I be upset about? How much money do you think that would take? Well listen. It's just I'm gonna ask you just a couple questions. How much money do you think it would take? Millions. Like a hundred million? Not a hundred million, but enough millions to where I could use that money to buy other properties so the money continues to grow and, and I and I fifty million? What a, yes, let's just say 15. Okay, so if you're walking down the street tomorrow and there's an industrial accident and your dick gets cut off, well then, but they give you well, fifty million dollars. Nah, brother, end of story, nigga. Fifty million means nothing without a dick, nigga. Okay, but what all, all I'm saying, is, I'd take fifteen dollars and keep my dick. Okay, so the, the happiness isn't in the security and the money. It, happiness, there's more to but it. But you went that. to an extreme. Okay. It's like so you lose a foot. Fifty million dollars. Your foot worth fifty million dollars? Yeah. You would you would be a one hopping foot motherfucker for fifty million dollars. That can fuck on one leg. <laughs> Let me read this. Uh, this guy writes. Uh, so, Mark, what the fuck is the point of this book anyway? This book will help you think a little bit more clearly about what you're choosing to find important in life, and what you're choosing to find unimportant. I believe that today we're facing psychological a psychological epidemic. One in which people no longer realize it's okay for things to suck sometimes. I know that sounds intellectually lazy on the surface, but I promise you it's a life-death sort of issue. Because when we believe it's okay, it's not okay for things to suck sometimes, then we unconsciously start blaming ourselves. We start to feel as though something is inherently wrong with us, which drives us to all sorts of overcompensation, like buying 40 pairs of shoes and downing Xanax with a vodka chaser on a Tuesday night or shooting up a school bus full of kids. This belief that it's not okay to be inadequate sometimes is the source of the growing feedback loop from hell that is coming to dominate our culture. The idea of not giving a fuck is a simple way of reorientating our expectations for life and choosing what is important and what is not. Developing this ability leads to something I like to think of as a kind of practical enlightenment. No, not that airy-fairy, internal bliss, end-of-all-suffering, bullshitty kind of enlightenment. On the contrary, I see practical enlightenment as becoming comfortable with the idea that some suffering is always inevitable. And no matter what you do, life is compromised of failures, loss, regrets, and even death. But once you become comfortable with all that shit that life throws at you, and it will throw a lot of shit at you, trust me, you become invincible in a sort of low-key spiritual way. After all, the only way to overcome pain is to first learn how to bear it this book doesn't give a fuck about alleviating your problems or pain all that is precisely why you will know it's being honest this book is not some guide to greatness it couldn't be because greatness is merely an illusion in our minds 
a made up destination that we obligate ourselves to pursue our own psychological Atlantis. Instead, this book will turn your pain into a tool, your trauma into power and your problems into slightly better problems. That is real progress. Think of it as a guide to suffering and how to do it better, more meaningfully and more compassion and more humility. It's a book about moving lightly despite your heavy burdens, resting easier with your greatest fears, laughing at your tears when you cry at them. This book will not teach you how to gain or achieve, but rather how to lose and let go. It will teach you to take inventory of your life and scrub out all the most important items. It will teach you to close your eyes and trust that you can fall backwards and still be okay. It will teach you to give fewer fucks. It will teach you to not try. What do you make of that? See, I, 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 see, I disagree. With see, and I said the same thing. The way he's stating it. Because <sighs> I do believe pain is important. Because pain uh, with action, uh, pain with motivation causes action. Yeah. And that's what really, that's what moves us. That's why well, we get up to do okay, things. Okay, let's go back to the homeless people and the people in the area. But that's broken. Okay. They don't have the, mo- they don't have the, the action. They don't, have, they don't have the wherewithal to put action in anymore. Because, because what? They, I mean, certainly they felt the pain of not having it. So why aren't they motivated because to move into action? Because when you get so far, when you get your spirit breaks, and there's no reason that you feel that there's... That, that you can move forward. What's the point then at that at then that place, dude? I, the the this funniest thing, and I don't mean to say this is funny, but it is extremely funny if you really take a look at the mentality behind it. You saw that homeless woman when we got here. Mm-hmm. How many carts did she have? Three, and, and she could only pull two, and would pull it the first two so far, and would go way back for the third one to meet up with the other two. She lives in this world that we live in that she has to have her things. And her things are what is holding her back. The carts? She can't move forward because she has to go back to get her carts. She is so, in her construct, in her brain, has to hold on to these last few things that she has. That it is keeping her right there. Right. I see what you're saying. So, So she settled. That's it. Oh, I'm going to move these carts from here to here. Then I'm going to move one over to there, and then I'm going to move that one until I get to where I need to be. But she's that, and that's what I think we become because we're we're afraid. We we pile up things that we we believe are, are our successes and our happiness, which is in other things, and we can't move from those. We can't we can't separate ourselves from those. We need to keep those, and so we protect those. And those may be precisely the things that are holding us back. I can see that. That makes sense. Um, you know, like you have your nice life in, in California. What are you supposed to be in New York to be successful? Would you like your nice life in California? Listen, I know when I look at those mansions and shit, I want that bad. Now, again, I've, I think I've said this before. You know, I'm not in the poor house. I, 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 you know, I got my house. I got my car. It's paid for. I could settle. You have a nice life as right now. Right now, right now where we're at. And, and I could settle. Um and sometimes I think about settling because to keep moving forward is too goddamn tough. But I go, nah, man, I want that shit. I, I really want it. Um, and even while I'm trying to get it, you know, the things I got to do to get there, <clears throat> certain days I wake up and I go, I'm, I'm, let's go. And other days I'm like, nigga, I'm hitting the snooze button on life because it's just so fucking hard. This, I'm telling you, and I've said this before. 
all this social media shit, this shit I'm trying to do with my app, it's just like the countless shit that comes up. The meetings and the phone calls and the and the work that goes nowhere are hitting dead ends and you just go, oh, I'm fucking tired. It would be so much easier to just say, fuck it. Yeah, but the success comes from the people that are willing to continue. The, the Amazon dude. Yeah. How many years did he go from his little teeny tiny office to building that business to where, what was it, seven years, seven or ten years before he right. even made any money? Right. He did all that. Oof. And everybody goes, oh, look, he's the, he, he's the richest person Like, you in the world. hear that and you go, seven, ten years. Like, when I read the things where they go, $10,000 invested in 1984 in whatever stock yeah. today is worth $14 million. And you go to yourself, damn, I wish I knew that then. I wish I had the money then because I'm 44. So if it took from 86 till now... To make fourteen million, if I went, yeah, I got ten thousand right now. I could invest it in a stock, but damn, nigga, I'm damn near ninety by the time I get that money. Again, got the money, but you're too old to enjoy it. So you know, it's just fuck. It just the things you don't know or you should have known when you were younger. It's it's like fuck. Who wants to wait ten fucking years? But see, this is this is why. We were talking about sports, and I and I hate to bring sports in it in this real serious conversation, but this is why I really feel like where America, the world, is 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 off right now. I used to love baseball when I was a kid. Played baseball, loved baseball. I heard you said we talked before about this. Baseball yeah. does nothing for you. Right. What game is more like life than baseball? You get three chances. Well, you got to go sit down and try again. Not that that's how life really works, but life, what you're talking about, 14 million, that's the home run hit. That's the home right, run hit. That's the grand slam. But what, what, what do you, what, what's, what's more important? Getting on base? Getting second? Getting third? Getting home? Are you equating that first, second home to the small steps of life? Yeah. Baseball right. represents life like no other sport. And and I think that's why people have trouble watching it because it takes a long time. Right. And it is, it, it's all the nuances of, of getting. And today, people just want to get up and they want to hit the home run. You can't watch a sport that, that people hate soccer because soccer takes so long and the, the score is low. People want scoring. They want they want they want they want it different because it's so much more available. Also, because think about this too. Before everybody had you know how many TVs were in your house when you grew up? One. And before your parents' generation, none. Right. How much information did you have coming into your house about how many people have beautiful cars or swimming pools in their backyard or what they had as opposed to what you had? People before 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago didn't even know if they were poor because they, what, they only had to relate it to who was next door to them. Right. Now you you turn on on the TV and you look at your imagine kids even ten years ago turn on the TV and looked at their dad and the dad was wearing you know whatever no name brand shoes wasn't right. wearing Nikes right. what a loser right. we're in an age where even your five year old knows if you're a loser right and so we're we're trying to play we're trying to be suited right. up we're trying to look like we're playing in the uh, in the big leagues when we're really not. We're not taking the steps. Yeah. You're right. No, I hear you. Um, 
By the way, this is the easiest 12 years of my whole life was doing comedy. This has been so hard and so easy for me because the outcome every day is what I want. My kids, I love my kids. Aside from them, doing this is the most joyous thing that I've ever done in my life. And this is solely for me. So there's a different kind of joy than I get from my kids. I get excited for my kids and their successes. And I know that lives on past me. And that's a different feeling than this. But this is solely my accomplishment. And, and there's, there's nothing like this to me. And every morning, I think when we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, it feels right. Aww. Oh, brother. That was deep, brother. I love it. I'm, I'm, yes. Anytime you bring the kids in, it's a wonderful moment. Um, in other news, uh, comedy news. Is it comedy news? We'll see. Paul Mooney, Richard Pryor. What's the accusation that he? It's not an accusation. He fucked his son. He fucked his son. He fucked Richard Pryor Jr. And Richard Pryor wanted to take a hit out on him. And that's what the that's what the security his security guard or yeah. and I guess other he did other things for. Well, you Pryor. know, I might not have entertained the idea that it could be true, just based on the bodyguard. But when did you see the TMZ clip when they? tracked down Richard Pryor's son and tried to talk to him about it. Uh-huh. And he basically said in a nutshell, he wouldn't flat out say that Paul did it, but he alluded to it by saying it's it's inappropriate for a grown man yeah. to be with a kid underage. So what other room do you have left but to But he wasn't it? underage at the time, was he? Yeah. I thought they said he wasn't underage no, at that time. No, he was underage. How old was he? Uh, I thought he was eighteen. I thought Richard. I thought. I thought. um, No, no. I read it. He was. uh, It was a twenty-year age difference, but he was old enough. He was either eighteen. He was either. Mm, Yeah, think so. He was over eighteen. Really? Yeah. But he said through through the mom. I read that he confirmed. The mom said that he. Mom said that she wasn't going to address it. That was between. Is it Harris? Is that guy's name was Harris? Who the bodyguard? Yeah, I don't know. And uh, and Richard Pryor Jr. Right. And then later. She, I think she tweeted out that uh, he didn't want to talk, Richard Pryor Jr., but that he will confirm that it did take place. Wow. You think he did it? Yeah. I do. And, 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 and there's other things where you see Pryor say things to Mooney. Right. And so, you know, that's why he called him Sweetness. Who, who called who Sweetness? Pryor called him sweetness before. Mooney? Yeah. How you going to call him sweetness? He the one sucked the dick. They both... Well, listen. I said on the... Did he suck a dick or did he get his dick sucked? Who? Pryor. Well, Pryor, we know he got his dick... What do you mean by dude? Yeah, which one was he doing? Pryor. Pryor said... I I, I sucked a dick. Pryor said he sucked a dick. I was sucking his... He said, he said he said it in a joke. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to remember the joke. Uh, well, it's about you. Don't act like you ain't never sucked a dick before. Something, yeah. Um, how did he get away? Okay, I'd be, so I well, got, I already said on my Vlad TV interview and my special Hollywood look. I'm smiling. I asked the question about Paul. Is that nigga gay? Because Paul always had that. But. What, okay, first of all, okay, two one sidebar on this, right? Because uh, I got I got to ask a different question, and it's strictly a black community, a, a black man community question, right? Can you uh, 
How did how does Pryor get away with saying he sucked a dick and not be uh, removed from the black community at that, especially at that time? Again, man, fame is almost like a get out of jail free card, and the more famous you are, the more influential, the more they love you. Motherfuckers look past shit. They fucking look past shit. You know? At some point, I don't know, maybe the masses will eventually turn on you. But, you know. But they never turned on Richard. And Richard was the baddest motherfucker to ever do comedy. And he represented us at a time when us weren't allowed in the game the way we allowed in the game now. So, I don't know. Black people, you know, we, you know. And again, that's the boldest shit a nigga could say in front of that's niggas. What I'm, I mean, I do a joke about having to get, uh, like, my dick was basically, uh, um, my prostate was in, was a little enlarged. And I, and, right. I, and just talking about that right there right. on stage, um, right. that turns a black audience off. Listen, we've discussed this before. I told you that my prostate joke... My joke about words and, you know, every yeah. man has told his boy to suck his own, to suck his dick. Uh, the host for the comedy show out here who has been opening, you know, me and Andy, we usually do a, a two-man two man show. But the host out here, uh, he's only got 10 minutes. And the first audience was predominantly mixed. And, you, and again, you weren't here on Thursday where it was really mixed. And plus, he, he, he did it later in his 10 minutes. But nonetheless, it was really mixed. Which was, that's the bigger factor. But the second show last night was Heavy Black. Yeah. And at one point, he goes, once he gets all the announcements and the bullshit out the way, he goes, well, I guess we're in it now, meaning the stand-up portion of my show. Uh, I want to talk about my dick. And I heard a black dude go, wow. <laughs> and then, and needless to say, I don't even think he did the joke. He didn't. He, he, he bailed. He, he bailed. bailed on it. He did, he did like a, a little teeny part of the joke. Right. And, and later when the shows were over, I was standing outside with him and I just told him, hey, man, um, you got to understand something about black people, particularly black men, nigga. That's a hard sell. That's a hard sell. And I say it in my joke about the prostate exam. Black the community is homophobic. Black men, we don't, you know, we hang on to our sexuality tight. And again, back to Richard. When they know you, and you're famous, they give you a little bit of a pass. If I wasn't Aerie Spears and they didn't love me the way they do, I think that Joe would die a horrific death. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's still funny, so yeah, it'll get some... But it wouldn't have what it has. They, they, they already like me. They already respect me. They already know this motherfucker, bad motherfucker. So they give you the benefit of the doubt. And it's the benefit of the doubt that keeps them on to you to where they'll at least go, all right, it was funny. We ain't like it, or we ain't want to laugh. It was kind of gay, but it was funny. But to get to that point, they got to be invested in you. And what keeps them invested is the fame and the respect okay. and the history. Okay, then let me ask you this question. Now, if I went on a, on a tirade, yeah, I'm sucking a dick, cock in my, cum in my mouth, and nigga, you ever crepes, crap, hold the balls and nussle them, and, and got graphic? All them niggas will turn on me. So I, I, you can only go so far with it. So let me ask you this question then. Do you think Paul is gay? 
I think Paul's bisexual. I, look, I, I, I don't got even, kids. Yeah, but, but what does that mean? But Paul goes both ways. Okay, I think Paul certainly has gone both ways. And okay, and the reason I'm asking you is not because I think that, that that's important to understanding Paul. I think the reason I'm I'm, I'm asking this is because I, I don't think that has anything to do with who Paul is as far as the com- comedian Paul. He's right. a, he's a great comedian. Right. So, I guess the reason I'm asking you is. I didn't think that when I read the articles, yeah. I thought it was fairly common knowledge that he was at least. It was never. It was never uh, any proof for real on paper certified. He is that. Like we know, Sandra Bernhardt is gay. Right. There's no question. Ellen gay. And again, who's his name? Todd Glass. Yeah. You don't know he's gay because he's never really said it. No, like he did. That. He came out. He came out okay. on Mark Maron's podcast. Okay, but before Mark Maron's yeah, podcast, no, he, you didn't know, right? Paul has never said I'm that. Okay, that's being said. Let me just put it to you this way, Paul. Yes, nigga. Are you gay? That's none of your goddamn business. Am I gay? What kind of question is that? You white people, you always want to know what niggas are. What are you, nigga? Are you gay? I'll tell you what. Pull your dick out, and if I suck it, there's your answer. And if I pull mine out and you suck it, well then, nigga, there's your answer again. Am I gay? What kind of question is that, nigga? I've got two goddamn kids. You've seen them. I know what pussy is like. I came out of pussy. I've come in pussy, and that's what comes out of pussy, nigga. Am I gay? Shit. Are you gay, nigga? Are you a homosexual? Answer that question, Jew boy. <laughs> Gay, goddammit. Your beard is salt and pepper, nigga. You got white streaks in your beard. <laughs> How do I know that's not semen? You be hiding semen in your face. Goddammit, am I gay? You white people are rude. So, then maybe you want to answer this question. Did you have sexual relationship with Richard Pryor Jr.? Richard, Richard was my friend. Richard was my friend. I knew his family. There were many a times I hung out with his son. Uh, during Christmas, I played Santa Claus. He sat on my lap, and things happened. <laughs> that doesn't, that you can insinuate all that you want from this. I'm telling you, we were very close. We were very, very close. I remember one Christmas, he sat on my knee, and all of a sudden, he got taller. You make, you make of that what you will. He sat right on my lap, nigga, and that nigga grew eight inches. That's it? Nigga, how big is your North Pole? Ah, <laughs> uh, You know, Paul, listen, man. Again, don't know for sure, but Paul's moves have always been the neck movements, nigga, the eye rolls. You know, he's always had some, it's rain and man, I think, in him. But it doesn't, like, it's funny because there's some people, okay, and maybe this is just a heterosexual thing, I don't know. There's some people you find out that they're gay and you're like, oh my God, and then you have to, it doesn't change anything about Paul. Well, Well, first of all, if you were to find out absolutely that Paul was gay it's not one of those oh my god it's 
Okay. Okay. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now, and it doesn't even need to be judged. I'm not trying to be judgy here. This is just this right. was an article. It came out, so I'm just com- right. commenting on on the news. Right. But it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't affect you one way or another, about Paul. And, and and then once one of the things they showed TMZ, they showed a photo of during the premiere of the movie Life with Martin and Eddie. He, he Paul was wheeling Richard Pryor in a wheelchair at the premiere. So the the point the guy made was, if that was an issue. Clearly, they got past it. it. Yeah, but in, in in if Richard Pryor Jr. was an adult at the time, do you? I think that I don't. I think it would be about being twenty years older, more so than if he knew already knew his because Richard knew already knew his son Listen, was gay. If if his his son I, had already I, come I, out, I really don't think it was he was I, old enough. Because listen, yeah. if he was legal. That means his son is grown enough to make his own decision. And that's what so if he wants to fucking suck Paul's dick or vice versa, there's no foul. Why would Richard get mad at that? Uh, but he did. But, but fucking your kid Ill- I mean, illegally as a child, that's Warren's nigga, you should die. No, I don't think I think. And how, and how could Richard be mad if Paul did that knowing he sucked the cock? I don't think he was mad about it. I think he was mad because that was his friend, that was his son, and he was twenty year age difference. And I don't think that he felt that. that no, was I right. don't think that. I don't think that was it. Uh, you looking it up? I'm looking it up. Age of Richard Pryor Jr. It's going to give you his current age. I know. And then I'm going to look at Paul Mooney's age, and then you subtract that. Wow, you doing real math? He's fifty eight years old. Age of Paul Mooney, 78. So it's 20-year age difference. Oh, but I need to know what year that, that took place. Why couldn't you just ask or, or Google uh, the Richard Pryor situation? Like Richard Pryor, Paul Mooney. Richard Pryor Jr., Paul Mooney affair. Richard Pryor Jr. responds to Paul Mooney's abuse claims. Richard Pryor Jr. responds. Richard Pryor speaking out on claims. And they wouldn't call it abuse unless it was illegal. Richard Pryor Jr. speaking out about claims he was sexually molested as a child. Alleging, as a child. Alleging that it happened when he was a minor. There you go! The late comedian former bodyguard... Uh, Khan recently accused Paul Mooney of sexually assaulting Richard Pryor Jr., stating uh, Richard Pryor Sr. and Mooney's relationship began around 1986 because Mooney had fucked Richard's son at the time. On August 12, TMZ caught up with Richard Pryor Jr., and while he didn't uh, name Mooney, specifically he did confirm that sexual abuse happened when he was a minor. There you go. See, I told you. Yeah, nigga. Okay, but he's you don't you don't you don't go yo. I'm gonna kill you, motherfucker, or I want to take a hit out on you. If you, if the son is grown, he can make his own decision at that point. But he's 58 now, and that what year was that? 19. Nigga, you just read it. 86. Is that what he said? It was it was 1980 illegal. <laughs> how old was he? If he's he's 50, how old did he say? 58. Yeah, yeah. Who Paul now? 58. No, no, no. Um, Richard Pryor's son. Yeah, fifty-eight. I'm fifty uh, and eighty-six. I was twenty-two years old. So you said he's what? He he was twenty-something. He's like twenty-five. They just, they just said illegal, yeah, but minor. 
that, but that doesn't make a difference. The age thing doesn't work out. You said it occurred. You just read it, and it told you. Yeah, but it told me, but the ages don't work out. What you, Matlock, nigga? You trying to... Fuck yeah. No, he's not... He would have been... Yeah, he would have been older. He was 25 years old at that time, when it says. I don't buy it. I, I, I think it, it is what, what it's supposed to be. No. What, what do you mean what it's supposed to be? <laughs> not like that. I'm saying I, the way they said it. It happened when he was a minor. But it doesn't make sense. The, the timeline doesn't work. This, this is why OJ can't get off. Because people believe what other people say instead of the timeline. He couldn't have been at the house, remember? OJ <laughs> got off because super nigga lawyer convinced them other niggas the way that he was supposed to about uh, Mark Furman. That's why that nigga got off. Dude, I was listening to the interview, though, on, uh, of us on Drink, drink Champs. Yeah. And it was funny when he, because he was saying he didn't, uh, OJ didn't do it, and you didn't, you didn't go along with that. You're like, uh. <laughs> that nigga did it. Uh, no, he was, according to the timeline, he was old enough. So I'm not, I, I'm, if he's an adult, then there shouldn't be an issue. There shouldn't. But I don't think that was the case. I just, I just gave you the dates. He's 58 years Motherfucker, old. Motherfucker, right you also just gave me what was said. But the dates don't match up. Listen, Jew boy. Um, there it is, motherfucker. You read the goddamn affidavit. The dates don't match up. <sighs> he was old enough. He might have been abused when he was younger by someone else. No, nigga. Let's get to some emails. What is that? The dating game. Oh, yeah. Nicholas Canton. I love this email. Hey, Aries, give Andy some dap for me too. Love the two of you. Caught wind of the podcast about a month ago and have been burning through these episodes with a keen ear and have picked up some very interesting similarities. I was watching Dave Chappelle's new Netflix special, Sticks and Stones. I highly advise you and Andy watch it ASAP if you haven't already. Either you have all been writing for Dave or that nigga is listening to y'all. God, I wish. Imitation is the greatest form of flattery and Big Dave was flattering y'all like a motherfucker. From the WNBA to several other topics, y'all all precisely, y'all are precisely on the same page. Great minds think alike. Keep up the great work. You and you all bring a style and reverence to the podcast thing that is refreshing. Listen, man, you I, I've said countless times how I feel about Dave. Um, and, of course, I don't think that's the case. Uh, I do think it's a case of great minds thinking alike, which why I will take from that that, you know, I'm a great mind. Am I as great as Dave? No. Is my work ethic as good as Dave's? Absolutely fucking not. Um, but yes, I have fr- flashes of brilliance, nigga. And I would like to believe that these paths cross uh, mentally. Listen, I was blown away when I even saw that the nigga had a new special. I'm like, this motherfucker just did four Netflix specials. And not even a year later, another one. That nigga stays in the gym. I stay in the refrigerator. Um, but yeah, man, I can't wait to see it. I haven't been able to see it because when it came out, I was on the road. So uh, when I get off the road and go home, believe me, that's on the agenda. Do you think maybe you should move to Ohio? Fuck no. 
If if you were in Ohio, you wouldn't have so much to do. Uh, fuck that. <laughs> uh, I'm moving to Ohio, nigga. <laughs> do you think Dave could have done all these episodes on Netflix if he wasn't living in Ohio? Absolutely. You brilliant, think he's still brilliant. been in it? You don't, brilliance you don't, is brilliant. But you don't, you don't think living in Ohio has given him extra time that he wouldn't have? No, because I don't think he's in Ohio uh, running around town. He's in that farm of his. Yeah, writing because he has no place else to go. He's in Ohio. Nah, Dave, <laughs> I hear what you, I know what you're doing, but nah, no, 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 no. Dave is, Dave is, that's just, he's a brilliant motherfucker, man. He's a brilliant motherfucker. Dude, um, I forgot who I was talking to. And I said, could you see that brilliance in, in him when he was young, when he was still young? And they, everybody said, yeah, definitely. Yeah, but it was, still, it, was, it was relative to his age. Age, but they could see the Oh, genius. yeah, yeah. Look, listen, dude, he, he did a skit on uh, Def Jam, a, a joke on Def Jam about how the word nigga was invented. That's all you need to know. YouTube that. That showed you his brilliance. And that was at that age he came up with that, with that bit. Yeah. Fucking yeah, that motherfucker was a monster, man, an absolute monster. Um, let's see uh, other emails. Um, this is from Matthew Riggins. Drink champs, bro. Oh, he said okay. Yeah, he he, he said it was because what happened was it was uploaded yesterday. Then it was taken down for technical reasons, but it's back up. Uh, so he was just saying, yo, what the fuck was up with that? So that was that on him. Um, Fernando Braithwaite, he quoted, I asked where the line was in the movie. The quarterback is toast. And even named the fucking actor, Clarence Gilliard Jr. as Theo and Die Hard. Remember oh, in Die yeah, Hard, yeah, the that's black right. dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, driver, right? The, the dr- the black dude isn't he the driver? No, nigga. Why you assume? Because it's the young black. You talking dude. about the limo driver? Yeah. No, it was remember it's the black dude, the one oh, black. Oh, that was on the computer. It was on the computer. computer the when f- they first went into the Nakatomi building, right? They shot the security guard immediately who was there yeah. at the desk. Pew! And once he got shot, the dude jumped over the desk. And went the quarterback is toast. Oh. Yeah, it was a black guy. Um, yeah, man. And 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 uh, for those of you. Remember I told you where that other line was from. $10, a lot of money. Some glory. When Denzel Washington, when they were going to try to pay the niggas bullshit money to fight in the war. And Denzel convinced everybody to tear up the papers. And he was told the one dude who, you know, really talked like a slave. He was like, man, you, you going to settle for this? $10, a lot of money. So that's what that was from. Sounds, uh, or a boxer. Yeah, <laughs> that too. Um, let's see. Apollo Liftoff. What's this nigga's name? Apollo Liftoff. There's got to be some. I think he's trying to compete with Leroy Furious. <laughs> no, Apollo Liftoff sounds like the name that you use when you're going to go meet an eight-year-old for some sex and you bring the cookies into porn. Um, yo, Aries, this email is more or less... Cater to your opinions on religion. From what I've been hearing, you what I've been hearing, you know many people who believe God has a plan for everybody. From where I grew up with, I was raised Baptist on my dad's side and Catholic on my mom's. I also think that's wrong. I believe God has a map of what he has in store for us, and it's our choices and how we interact down there that gives us our results in the afterlife. 
I do believe he knows everything to the extent of what's on our road, but not knowing what turn we're going to take on our journey, which to me, again, if God knows everything, then why wouldn't he know that? So when you say things like why God doesn't save this guy or this girl, I think that the choices they made in their entire life resulted to wherever. I don't know why people seem to take things like God and the Bible to how it's passed down or how it is in the books to the letter. I think everyone needs to take their own perspective on the information given. I'm not pressing you on this. I'm just giving you a side you maybe haven't heard before because I'm a different type of nigga. Love the podcast. I've heard every episode and had the pleasure of exchanging with you on Twitter on music a couple years ago. All love, Jordan Apollo. P.S. Andy, I swear to fucking God, if you play devil's advocate for Trump on some shit again, I'm going to bust your head to the white meat. Goddamn, nigga. If you do that, we're going to have to call the police. And we're not going to just call any any regular cop. We're going to call Leroy Furious. (laughs) Even when you bust the white meat, he cares about the color. Now, let me finish reading this thing. You say the press need to have all... He's talking about you still. You see the press need to have all their info correct so we can really get him down to the letter. Let that be the fucking press's job. And he put that in caps. You're on a podcast where paraphrasing will happen. It's only with Trump that I've seen you want to be exact to the letter. Knock that shit off or do it for the rest of the topics. Jew. Woo! Dude, again... I love I love when people get heated about this. You, you don't seem to understand. No one else is the president. No one else is fucking up the country. So when I say take it to the letter, it's for a reason. You say it's the press's job. The press. I'm holding the press accountable because the press isn't doing their job right. That's it. I don't even know how you can even make this mistake. I already said he's fucked up. I don't understand why you don't understand. Jews will not replace us. Yeah. Jews will not replace us. Yes, so how am I supposed Jews to do this? Jews will not replace us. You don't think Jews I'm in this? Jews will not replace us. This is also fucking ridiculous. Listen to yourself. Uh, the press should be able to say whatever they want, and you shouldn't say anything about it because you're doing a podcast. That's why I'm saying shit about it. <sighs> fucking Jew boy. Jesus Fuck Christ. Jew boy. You think you, you think I, I you think I felt something uh, when the when the, the the dude came up and shot up the synagogue and uh, Trump was like oh that was a shame you think that made me think oh Trump maybe not a bad guy dude the dude is not a good dude you want to hang him you hang him with what he does don't make up shit it's that easy dear FBI I did not just threaten the president I didn't either. So when you hear this tape and you come knocking on doors, the nigga didn't say hang. I know better than that. That was. Uh, uh, I felt your whiskers moving, nigga. But you that was. Yellow. I just don't understand how you can how how it's so confusing to understand doing it the way that things have to work to make this work, mm. as opposed to that I, I, I'm sticking up for him. From Keon Fitzgerald, and he literally types in, nigger in the kike. <laughs> Aries, Andy, hello, hello, in my Ray Charles voice. I just have one question. Uh, me and my favorite white boy, Dooney, are about to start our podcast journey and would like to know what's the best way to get content and the consistency of each episode. I would really love both of y'all's input about this and it is because of y'all two and Godfrey 
why I decided to give this podcast thing a try. Aww. And he may be, and maybe one day, whenever y'all are in the Philly area, would love to have an episode with you and Andy and me and my Mick Dago brother, Jim Dooney. Well, first of all, Keon, I wish you the best of luck, brother. And, uh, you know, uh, if you when you get on your feet, uh, you ain't got to pay me in money, but you got to pay me with cheesesteaks. Uh, Andy and I would love to do it. Um, listen, man, we're learning as we're still going. Um, and, and, and like anything, when you first attempt it, you'll grow, you'll evolve, you'll figure out the kinks, you'll make the mistakes, you'll figure out what gets better, what works, what don't work. Uh, and, and listen, man, this, this, this is 100, this will be either 108 or 109 for us. So we are still Similac boys uh, trying to get this shit right. I want to see where we're at at episode 500. You know, like the veterans in this shit. We are still rookies, man. Um, but I would say just dive in head first, man. Um, read the newspaper, whatever your whatever tickles your fancy, whatever get get your dick hard, whatever passion, whatever your passion is, personal life, what's going on in life, the news, internet. You know, there's never such thing. I, one thing I do love about podcasts. It's everything. It's a buffet of shit to choose from. And 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 my biggest I think my our biggest challenge is trying to figure out how to stand out amongst the sea of dicks. How can we be the biggest dick? Uh <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like like just be, you know, cuz cuz again, I applaud people that Take the take the, the moments to listen to this shit because I know some of this shit could be blah, 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 blah. And you don't give a fuck. So the challenge is whatever is interesting to you, hopefully you can make interesting to other people. And they'll find out what you're saying is valid to them. It means something to it. It moves them. You, you, you make them think. You make them laugh. You know, just, just get out there, brother, you know, and, and see what happens. This is the part where you chime in, Jew boy. Yeah, I, I don't... Um, he oh. asked for both of our advice. Okay, so I'm going to give advice to your uh, Mick Dago brother. Is that what he said? Fucking Dago, fight this nigga hard! Like you did before, that was beautiful! If you want to blow this thing, kid, for this cunt, i blow it with you. Uh, don't ever worry about uh, being liked, because whatever you're going to say... If the black communities listen to it, they're going to fuck with you anyway. <laughs> and listen, listen, and listen, and even if they, if if somebody don't like you, there are those that do. Do no, I, 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 I but I learned that there's going to be that that uptick. You know, someone's going to yeah. have something. No matter what you say, as carefully as you want to construct it in your head, someone's going to blow it up. So. Yeah, and I don't know what your temperament is as far as you know. Do you care about? This political correctness era we're living in, or, or again, I love the podcast because I like letting my nuts hang, nigga. And nothing feels better than wet nuts over an air conditioned vent. <laughs> you ever feel that? You ever, you ever just get out the shower and stand? Not because the air conditioners are always a lot of times, especially in the in the in the hotels that are off the highways towards the floor. Try this, motherfucker. Wet nuts. Right out the shower, and let that cool air shoot up your nuts, nigga. It feels amazing, especially if you're eating vanilla ice cream at the same time. 
Uh, Did you ever blow dry your nuts before you got dressed? With a hot, with, that's hot air. You don't have to put it on hot. You just put it on the cold. And no, then, nigga, I stand right. I cock right over the AC. What if you don't have time and you don't want to put? Your there's wet. always time for cool air on your nuts. <laughs> Sounds like a Jamaican commercial. There's always time for air on your nuts, man. The cool breeze of the air shooting through your crack and do your gooch. <laughs> Whenever you get out the shower, man, you just cock your leg up. Put one foot on the air conditioner, the other foot on the ground, and let the cool breeze shoot up in your shaft, man. It'll feel like you're getting a blowjob times 10,000 women. I, I didn't, I, 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 you had me on everything, except I didn't see the Jamaican dude saying gooch. The gooch, man. <laughs> what you think that is you're eating when you bite into the jerk chicken and you go, they don't taste like meat or bone. That's the gooch, man. The cool breeze. It's a good feeling, man. Ladies, you should try it too. Put your vajayjay over the air conditioner and let the wind shoot up your uterus. And do it while you're eating jerk chicken. Yeah, man, let your nuts hang out, brother. It's liberating. Um, the cool breeze. Alone, alone, alone. Um, you know how many motherfuckers are listening right now going, man, that ain't a good Jamaican accent. I'm Jamaican, man. Uh, my girl, uh, Shamor Emery, my Sherry Amore. Um, since you're just two men talking, most women, and I think I asked her a question about, I, I like this. I like yeah, this. What, what can we do to get more female? And here's what I've been doing. And I hope it's been working as I'm going through Instagram and I'm, um, uh, going through my DMS. And, I, and again, I'm trying to figure it all out to be most effective because some people think that when I send them a message promoting the podcast and all our shit, they think it's somebody working for me. Like this ain't really Aries. This is like some pre-programmed shit like out of a computer. But no, it's really me. But I think what, you know, to make it personal. So I'll record a voice message first so they know it's really me. Yo, thank you for the love, blah, blah, blah. Please uh, follow the podcast. It, um, I, we need more female fans. We're trying to up our numbers with the females. And then I'll send out the, the, the ad. And all the women have been going, oh, yes, absolutely, honey. So I hope it's effective. And incidentally, if you guys want to write in to us, Spears 45 at Hotmail. Spears 45 at Hotmail. And for you retards out there a r i e s s p e a r s 45 at hotmail talk to me baby tell me what you're thinking i want to know from you i want to hear from you i want your opinions i want to be able to fucking sell this and i can't do it without the people can someone tell aries that no one has a hotmail anymore could someone just hey, fuck you man let him know that He's like from the past. Talk to me. That I like. <laughs> Keep it coma. Um, so, so, so Shemari Shamor says, since you two, since you're just two men talking, most women can relate to guy movies, sports, etc. I think you should have few episodes geared towards women. I agree. Not sh- show tunes, makeup, shopping, or anything like that. Well, I thought that's what you bitches cared about. Um, tell women what men like 
and or their views on certain issues, which I think we do a pretty good job of, right? As vulgar as it may be. Yeah, if you get past the vulgarity, yeah. Yeah. For example, I think most mature men would prefer a cool, drama-free seven over a gold-digging, shallow... You could address many issues like... I think she meant to say a cool, drama-free seven over a gold-digging, shallow ten. Yeah. Yeah, it depends on what time it is. Yeah, nigga. <laughs> and how much tequila you've had. Um, you could address many issues like do men like getting just because gifts like women? Um, listen, a gift is always nice. Um, but if you could paper wrap and bow tie a shut the fuck up, we would love that. No, no. Um, yeah, of course. And as you get older, you know what matters to men? Socks. I love a good pair of cozy socks and drawers. That's all I want. Drawers and socks. I'm not 20 anymore. I'm 44. I got holes in my drawers. I blow farts that destroy drawers, nigga. Socks. Uh-uh. And, you know, an occasional video game. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty picky about my, my underwear. Yeah. My socks. Yeah, yeah, if you find Cupid, yeah. but my... I, this is going to sound like an ad for a commercial, and they should sponsor us. But uh, I've always bought those Hanes underwear. Just you know, did mm-hmm. you get the store regular Hanes? But the, like boxer, the boxer briefs, yeah. But not the tight skin tight ones, right? No, no, not not the not the not not, not like, the sexy shit. Yeah, not like the bikini stuff. That's regular bikini, nigga. You know those little those some guy. No, bikini is specific. That's motherfucking. Yeah, some bikini. guys wear that shit. I don't wear that. Yeah, well, the, the Europeans wear that. I wear the the niggas that say shit like the Avengers. That's my bikini freeze. But the, the moist all, niggas, dude. I always got the boxer briefs. Those are the ones I wear. They're kind of. They, but I'm confused. You mean boxers as in traditional room for your dick to no, move? Boxer or briefs. Boxer briefs. That's a boxer briefs. Yeah, they're a little tighter. They're, they're, they kind of look like the the sports shorts you wear underneath your shorts. The ones that Marky Mark. Yeah, all those. Anyway, can you feel it, baby? Go ahead. <laughs> when you're wearing those, you can feel it. Uh, <laughs> But no, when you're uh, but I got those and then I got these ones called Tommy Johns. Yeah, they had them on. They had them at uh, at Nordstrom's. And yeah, I, and uh, you know I think my girl might have gotten them for me because I said I want to try those. So you appreciate that? Yeah, I appreciate it. But those now, I, now those are the only ones I want to wear. I don't want to wear the yeah, ladies, men, yeah. We listen. No one is going to say no to a gift. Yeah, it's, tr- it's nice. Treat us to something. Step treat. us, step us up to something. Something yeah. you want to see us in. But we don't have to have it. Yeah, that's the it's thing. not important to us. We'll we'll take it. But you know what always beats a gift? A blue blow job. job. I was going to say that. If you could gift wrap up a blowjob. Oh, a job. A blowjob. Listen, nothing throws a man off like a random cocksuck. And I don't mean to be vulgar, ladies, but I'm just telling you. LL Cool J had a song with, with Carl Thomas called Just Us. Ladies, look up this song. And at one point in the song, he goes, sometimes your man come home and he don't always want to talk about how the world is shitting on me. He wants the panties. Chicken, she wants the panties at the stove. Blunt roll, chicken ready to go. Chicken fry, blunt roll, ready to go. He wants you to pull down his boxes by the Calvin Klein band. Rub his chest and call him Superman. You know I mean? Honey, I'm home. Right to it. The, the best thing I... Nose to navel. The best thing I ever got was just a random blowjob. Right. By my girl. Right. Didn't want anything back. 
right. made me want to fuck her so much more. Oh goodness, ladies, you know, you know what I like every now and then, um, which feels really good and is relaxing. And I will say, sometimes my lady will give me a facial while I'm in bed, like put the mask shit on that you peel off. Little shit like that feel good. Lay on your stomach, she popped the pimples on your back. Yeah. Little shit like that. Now you let everybody know you have pimples on your back. I'm a man, nigga. I don't have pimples I'm on my back. I'm from that era, nigga. I got all kind of shit on yeah. me. Don't have it. Um, when you plan a date for his birthday, do what he wants, not you. I've been preaching that for so long. Ladies, it's his day. Stop making it yours. Good comedian, great comedian by the name of Ian Edwards used to do a joke where he would go, ladies will make her man do what, he, what she wants on his birthday. And at some point, she's happy about it. And she says to him, oh, my God, this is the best you, me birthday we've ever had. Um, men often bite the bullet and do boring things for their women, museums, plays, etc. <clears throat> so you should appreciate the same. Watch a game with him. Okay. No, that's not a treat for us. Well, it is if you don't talk. Come on. I mean, let's have realistic expectations, though. And plus, I, and maybe this is the insecurity in me. Uh, I don't want my girl laying next to me watching some cut up niggas run. <laughs> Muscles and abs and shit. Like, you know, bitch, what's going on in your head? Because if I catch you with your mouth open, with a little drool hanging out, I'm liable to suck you with my dinner tray. I hate when they, like, you know, the play goes on, like you're watching football and the play goes on and right. then they, 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 the pitcher comes out with them with not right. the helmet on. Yeah. And maybe like in, in right. And your girl goes, oh, he's actually really attractive. That ruined every fucking yeah, thing for me. Yeah, yeah, Patrice said one time on Opie and Anthony, he was like, you know, him and his girl was watching the playoffs. And at one point, uh, I guess LeBron was having a cramp in his leg and he pulled up his shirt, his shorts. And she said, what is that on his leg? He said, a muscle. And he goes, she was so used to my fat leg, <laughs> she didn't know what an in-shaped thigh looked like. He was like, bitch, it's a muscle. So, so she was like, what is that? So, yeah, that could go, that could go either way. Um, tell women what generally irritates men about women. For example, no frivolous talking during the game. Bingo. That's not the time to tell him about your friend's trifling boyfriend. Is there ever? And absolutely no conversations or questions during the last quarter, inning, final rounds, or OT. Girl, you a keeper. You know what? what's funny is about the trifling uh, boyfriend thing? Right. Listen, we haven't told you that we already knew. Why do you want to tell us that you just found out? Hello. <laughs> you, can break my, you can break men down by age, too. How the male mind is drastically different from 25 to 40. This is true. Tell of how young men care more about looks. Older men look for women with something going on mentally and financially. Most women think men of all ages only care about sex. True and no. Sex is always important. But I love a woman who can bake a pie. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but no, you do. At the end of the day, you do want somebody who can challenge you mentally who can hold the conversation. Yeah, um, yeah, that shit's important. Uh, because when you're in your 20s, your whole goal is just to constantly fuck. Uh, when you get older, it's still your goal, but you, wanna, you, you do want to, you know, talk some. You know, you do want some intellect to well, be involved. Because when you're younger, 
you can fuck, and then you can fuck again right afterwards. Right. When you get older, you have to fuck, and then you need to have some conversation. Yes. And then you can fuck again. Next week. <laughs> yeah, next week. Um, uh, I think, is that it? Um, we talked about the poem only somebody brought up. Uh, Tracy Phillips. I want to talk about people that got to stop getting so mad at Trump. Okay, hold now, on. Now, here's the thing. Uh-oh. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Um, Tracy Phillips, uh, what is uh, what it is, Aries? What it is? Just sending a shot. A shot. I just caught up with the podcast. I heard I had a heart transplant on eight fifteen nineteen, so I had a reason to miss a few episodes. But like I said, I'm all caught up. You and Andy doing good work, bro. Thank you, Tracy. I hope your heart is 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 doing what it's supposed to do now. Stay alive for us, baby. We love you. Um, and I think that is it from me. You ain't got no more emails. That's it? Yeah, that's it. Dude had a heart transplant? I guess so. Dude, uh, best of luck to you, man. That's a serious, it's a piece of work right there, operation. That's not an easy one. Yeah. Okay, so we gave you kitties all we got. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, next week, uh, we're in Ontario, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you will hear about this. On the day you're supposed to hear it. And uh, there the fuck we go. Uh, again, Aries Spears, 45 at Hotmail. Please, 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 I implore you. Talk to us. We need to hear from you. Uh, I hope all the new female fans, if we got any, um, thank you. Uh, and again, I can't stress enough. If, if we need to wet your whistle first, go to episode 27 of Pussy Podcast, ladies. Understand what your boy is feeling. Uh, and then listen to episodes 90 and 91 with Kyla Lacey so you can really get a feel for what we talk a lot of shit or I talk a lot of shit about ladies in a, in a vulgar way. Uh, that's just part of my character. Um, but I also respect y'all tremendously, which is why we had the queen Kyla Lacey on because she was so goddamn smart, so uh, insightful. Uh, she, she's smarter than me. Um, and she, she brought a female flair to it that I almost wish we could have kind of sort of on a regular basis. So we do care about y'all. I do care about y'all, even though I do talk a lot of trash. Uh, come on, man. I love y'all, man. All right. And just, just for all, uh, the listeners out there who do, uh, get offended by my, uh, my, my double speak or my whatever it is for Trump. I just want to let you guys hear this. It's so important that you guys understand what I'm about to say. When he says something, stop looking at it from your perspective. Try to look at it from a rich, old, white man's perspective. And understand the man. That's the problem. You're not looking at it from his perspective. That's all you're... If you, you look you, at it from his perspective... You can't be serious right now. No, I'm not fucking serious. All right. I just, that, that's, what, that's the breakdown of what, <laughs> what they're trying to say that I'm going to make sure right. people understand. It's comical to me. It's as comical as what I just said. But I will say this. You should try to look at it from his perspective. Because if you ever read Sun Tzu, The Art of War, know your enemy. That's all I got. We've been knowing you motherfuckers. Know your enemy. All right, y'all. Patreon, Cameo. Um, Fucking follow me on Instagram. And also check us out. We just premiered uh, last week on the Drink Champs, which is now available on YouTube with uh, Noriega, uh, one of the pioneers of hip-hop. Uh, what, 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 what? Noriega and DJ Effin, um, available on Tadal and Re- and Revolt TV. Uh, Drink Champs, the podcast. 
Uh, they're back and they're strong. They had on Marlon Wayans. Um, they've had a gazillion. You know, you know who the fuck? LL Cool J, Rick Ross, DJ Khaled. Uh, we're, we're, me and Andy are on there. So check us out on the Drink Champs podcast. Revolt TV, that's uh, something Jay-Z has nothing to do with? Tadao. He's Tadao. He's Tadao? Yeah. I thought he was Revolt, too. No, I don't think so. All right. Yeah. Uh, cool. Cool for Jay-Z. You want to, me and you both get nude and put our nuts over the air conditioning vent? Uh, only if it's at the same time. That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. The cool breeze. Shoot into your nuts and up your butt crack. Nigga, turn the AC all the way up. I want frozen balls, you know. We're done.